Okay. Romans 8. Everyone, Julia, Grace, Hope, my favorite girls, and Stella. There she is. (laughs) Where's Anna? Oh, she is? Oh, we're... Oh. All right. They say Romans 8 is the, if they were to pick one chapter out of the Bible that they would say is kind of brings all of the Bible together is Romans 8. And uh, it's a great, great chapter. Um, But Romans 8 verse 1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And, but the special verse that I wanted to read you, and now I won't be able to find it, Oh, here's one. We know, this is verse 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And that's our promise Uh, It's what we're going to be going over in Kids Church today because we want to establish who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. Because the world is trying to confuse our identity, who we are, what we were created for. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Do you know that means that we are all called? We are all called according to his purpose. That is so important. We are called according to his purpose. We're always looking for what we're supposed to do, you know, all this and all that. We're called, Joey, according to his purpose. You're looking for the plan for your life. You're looking for the plan, Oliver. (laughs) Oliver, you are called. Oliver, you are called according to his purpose. Girls, you are not insignificant. You are significant. You are princesses in Jesus' eyes. You are his princesses, and he sees you as significant and beautiful and glorious. And guess what? Not as a princess that sits on your throne and does your fingernails, but a princess who gets up and takes your sword and goes out and fights the enemy for the Lord. You know how, girls? Do you know what you did this morning when you were singing worship up there? 
and you were raising your hands or clapping or singing and saying, okay, here I am, God. You were taking that sword out of your, what is it called? Sheath. You were proclaiming your God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what you were doing. You weren't singing pretty little songs. You started singing, and by the Spirit of God, you took that sword. Jackson! <laughs> when, when Jackson was little, we have it on video, and we took him to the ice cream store with Stella. Well, Stella, you were there, right? Remember? In the back seat? We have it on video, Stella. And Jackson was like two or three, and he was like, I'm going to kill the giant with my sword. <laughs> and we were, ta- we were talking to him about it. We're like, who are you going to kill? I'm going to kill the giant with my sword. <coughs> That's where Jesus says we have to be like little children. <laughs> right? I gotta kill the giant. And he had the look, he had the look on it. I should, if I had, I'll have to get it for next week so we can show it. But his face was all wrinkled up. And he believed that. I think he thought that on our trip to the ice cream store, he might actually see a giant. <laughs> So he was ready. Girls, I'm going to tell you, because you're coming up here to help with worship and, and singing and entering into worship, you are getting your sword ready to fight the enemy. Believe it. Believe it, girls. Girls are some of the best Warriors. Uh huh. <laughs> Girls are some of the best warriors. Believe it. That's what he created you for. Read Proverbs 31 and you'll find out all the things that you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, I just wanted to share a little scripture with you while our pastor took a break. And, uh, but I'm so excited, and I think that's God's word for today, is let's fight the giant with our sword. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Mom asked me, she goes, what are you putting in your coffee? <laughs> I said, well, Julie's been drinking it with coconut milk instead of creamer. That might be it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, and praise you for this day. We pray for your anointing. We pray for your Holy Spirit to fill us, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. We pray that you would have your way, Lord God, in this service today. And we just pray your blessings in Jesus' name. And it's time to take up an offering. Amen. Is it time to take up an offering? Amen? Amen. There you go. That's better. I got a few amens. 
Come on down, Grace. Hey, God says that he blesses a cheerful giver. So we need to be cheerful, right? In our giving. Because we're not giving it to us, we're giving it to God. And into the kingdom of God. Amen? So, Lord says that we can test him in this. So let's just take our wallets out and throw them right in there. I got six whole dollars. I'm going to give it all. This is my... There it goes. That's all I got in there. Geico commercial, eh? Wallet into the wallet into the river, and he said he's going to regret that later. Amen. So, Lord, I, Lord, I know, Lord God, that you know our hearts, you know our finances, Lord, and you know, Lord God, where each person here is, and Lord God. And, Lord, you just want us dependent in you. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. God, our provider. God, our provider. And, Lord, we just are thanking you for your provision that you have given to us. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that, Lord God, we can give back to you. Lord, it says that in your word that we should give a tenth of all of our income. Lord Jesus, a tenth. Lord God, I pray that we would be obedient to your word. Lord God, because when we're disobedient, Lord Jesus, we're out of your blessing. And we want to be blessed. And Lord God, and Lord, like I said, you know our hearts. And Lord, we cannot give you, Lord Jesus, no matter what we do. And the more we give, Lord God, the more we receive. And Lord God, I just thank you and I praise you for that. I thank you for your blessings that overflow, that are pressed down and overflowing and running over on our laps. Lord God, and I pray and declare that this year, 2019, would be a year of supernatural increase for our, for our finances, a supernatural increase in our spirits. Lord God, I want a supernatural increase more of you, Lord Jesus. I want to know you more. I want to surrender more of my life to you. And Lord, in that surrendering to you is surrendering all. That's surrendering all. My family, my wife, my business, the church, our finances, all of it to you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just pray this, Lord God, and I just pray, Lord God, that you would help us to get to this place of surrendering all to you. Lord God, teach us, show us, draw us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, Grace. All right, we got kids' church today. So after the offering, the kids can be dismissed. <clears throat> Prayer meeting at 7 at Mom and Ed's. All are welcome. I'm going to tell you something about Mom and Ed's house. There has been a lot of prayer hours that have gone up in that place. And there is an anointing on it. And there is blessing on it because God hears our prayers. Amen? I can't think of a house that has had more prayer filled in it than Mom's in Ed's house down there. That house is red because it's been covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen? It's red because it's covered by the blood of Jesus and through lots of prayers. 
saw lots of many people. This whole church started in that little house down there. It did. That's how this building became. That's how this building became. Because it outgrew the house. And that was through only through prayer. And that's one thing that we need to be working on in 2019 is our prayer life. All of us. We need to be in constant prayer. Because I don't know about you, but I'm in constant need of a Savior. All the time. Amen? So we need to be in constant prayer. The title of my sermon today is called "Narrow The Narrow Gate. Narrow is the gate. Last week I preached on walking with God. And God drawing us close. And that's part of our prayer. That's why we sang that song this morning. Draw me close to you, Lord. That's what we need is God to draw us. So that we're not drawn by everything else that this world has to offer. You know, there's paths in life that we all take. There's wide paths and narrow paths. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus talks a little bit about these paths and these gates. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Enter through the narrow gate. Do you know that the church, God's people, have been under attack for a long, long time? Long time. But in these last few decades, it's been under attack more and more than ever before. And it's because at the end, there will be a time of acceleration. That means that the enemy is going to accelerate and try to keep pace with God and try to deceive as many as he possibly can. And he's been pretty successful in his deception. Because there are more people on that wide, broad road than there is on the narrow path, the narrow road. Our youth, once they leave their homes, after graduation, it says that 72% of them leave the church and leave God not to return. That's pretty alarming numbers right there. That was, a, that was a statistic done in like 2005. 14 years ago. The numbers have risen even higher since then. 
That wide road is becoming a freeway, a massive highway, that are leading our children astray. When they go to college, do you know that 72% of the faculty members declare themselves as politically liberal? According to the North American Academic Study, that was done in 1999. 72% That number was up 34% since 1984. <clears throat> it's probably up another 34% if the projections were following right. Since of 2019. And did you know that back then in 1999 out of the 72%, 25% of those college professors are professing atheists. And agnostics. And then the other 51% describe the Bible as an ancient book of fables and legends in history. Pretty scary. That's pretty scary. And that's what our children are being taught. That's what your kids that you've raised all your life and you spent all your time teaching them the way, the truth, and the life, and that's Jesus. As soon as they leave the house and their protection. This is what they're learning. This is what they're this is what is being taught in colleges. Scary. The facts show that faculty that faculty also feel more warmly about other religions or religious groups, but feel coldly toward Christians and evangelical beliefs and the Bible. And you know what? It's not just in our colleges anymore. It's in our schools, our public schools and middle schools. Because the devil can get to our children and he can destroy a generation... Then he can destroy the next generation after that. My wife was showing me this evangelical church. And in the church, there wasn't many youth. I didn't see a picture. They showed a picture of the congregation. And most of the congregation looked like they were in their 50s and above. 
Somehow, somewhere, the church has lost the connection of our youth. Somewhere, somehow, something's happened. There's been a shift. Narrow is the gate and the path that leads to life. But wide is the path and gate that leads to death. It doesn't surprise me. I hear it all the time. That they're trying to get Christ out of everything. Jesus out of everything. In our schools and our colleges. But yet they open their arms to the studies of Buddha. Islam. Hinduism. And all these other religions that are out there. But when it comes to Christianity, don't talk about God. Don't talk about Jesus. And even when our kids that go to school in these liberal schools, they have to keep their mouths shut about their faith because otherwise they would get segregated. I remember one grandson when he first went up to, and he said, this is political, so he's a Trump supporter, pretty loud advocate of Trump. But even up in colleges, I remember talking to him, saying, you know, you got to be careful what you say up here. Because you can be picked on, you can be segregated, you can be, who knows what can happen. You try to warn him, you try to, you try to tell him to be careful. And it's a shame. Because you should be able to voice your belief. And you should be able to speak the truth. If more than anything else. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. And he saw all of this happening. Paul saw the future of all of this, believe it or not. This is in the Bible. About these times that we're living in. And if you got your Bibles, you can open up to 2 Timothy. We're going to start... In chapter 3, verse 10. And we're going to read all the way to chapter 4, verse 8. Paul, see, God took Paul up to heaven one time. And he saw things that he couldn't even describe. He said, I can't even speak of what I saw in heaven. I can't even fathom the mysteries. Paul said this. He said, you, however, know all about my teaching. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, you know all about my teaching. You know all about my way of life. My purpose, faith, 
my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions and sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconum, and Lystria, or Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That doesn't mean things are going to be all rosy and glosy. <laughs> Does it? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are going to be persecuted. That's a fact. That's the fact, Jack. <laughs> There's no other way around it. While evil, evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have convinced of, and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. Period. All Scripture is God-breathed. This is not a book of fables, of legends. There are legends in there. Godly legends. It's more than a book of fables and legends. It's more than a book written by man. This is a book that's been written by God. He breathed it. Just like he created creation. He spoke it. He breathed it. He breathed this book. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just like Julie was saying earlier, we have all been called. We all have a purpose. God created you for a purpose. And that purpose is for good works. Then he goes on to say, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in a view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Think about this. Think of Paul coming up to you and saying, I'm going to give you this charge. This is a charge for you. Not just for Timothy. This is a charge for all of us. For all of us right here. 
I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Sounds like today, doesn't it? That is today. Think about this. You have a calling on your life. You have been charged by God. You have been chosen to be born in such a time as this. I don't know about you, but I don't see a wide road right here in our congregants. I see a narrow path for us. The wide road would be easy to get on and just go with the flow. The narrow path is hard to find and hard to stay on. You need light to stay on that path, which is the Word of God. You've been called not down a road that's easy. Your lives are not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to do the right thing all the time. Because you're going to have things, like I preached last week, that are going to draw you off to the left or to the right. You're going to have friends going to parties, drinking, doing drugs. You're going to have temptations out there. That are going to try to pull you away from God and His Word. You're going to have stress. You're going to have worries. But Jesus says, don't worry. Don't be stressed. Just follow me. Things are going to come up against you. People are going to accuse you of being a Christian. People are going to say, well, you are radical. And your beliefs, because you don't waver to the left, you don't compromise. And your faith. And they will label you, label you a radical Christian. They might take away some of your rights. Who knows what's coming down the pipe someday? But don't worry. Don't worry, because your reward is not in this world anyways. Your reward is in heaven. Your reward is in that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that you're going to hold on to him with all your strength, no matter what anybody says. No matter what any other doctrine that comes up and tries to toss you to and fro with every wave. No matter what anybody teaches, no matter how old or wise they think they are. You know the way. You know the path. And it's narrow. And it's hard. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have somebody inside of you that will give you the strength 
And the Bible says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will always find a way out for you. That's what the word says. God is faithful. He will find a way out from underneath your temptations. He will find a way out from underneath your burdens, your stresses, your worries, your concerns. And He gave us the way, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who paid the road for us, who, who walked that same road we're walking in the flesh. And who was persecuted, who bore stripes, who was spat on, who was beaten beyond recognition, who was pinned to a cross and rose, who died, went to the grave and rose. That's who we have. We have a God who's walked the same path that we're on. There is no other God, there is no other religion out there that has ever done such a thing. There is no other God or no religion out there that has ever showed us so much love. That he would die and go to the cross for us. Amen? Amen. Paul says, Timothy, we got to get prepared. You got to be ready. In season and out of season. You got to be ready. You got to be strong. Being a Christian means you got to be a warrior. You got to take up your cross. You got to follow him. It's not an easy path, it's a path for a warrior. The path that Jesus went down wasn't easy. And he said, if they persecuted me, then they'll persecute you. That's the path we're going down. So you got to be prepared in season and out of season. So when temptation comes, you can say, no, devil, get out of here. The word says this. You fight that devil off with the word of God. And how do, you, how do you fight it off with the Word of God? You can't fight it off unless you don't know it. Unless you know it. It's the only way you're going to fight it. And the only way to know it is to read it. For the time will come when men will put up, won't put up with sound doctrine. Why? Instead, they want to hear... They want to suit their own desires. It says, they will gather together around them a great number of teachers. Think about that. Think about how effective the devil's plans are on our children's lives. Who teaches our children besides their parents? Teachers. So where does the devil go? He goes to affect the teachers. We need to lift up our teachers. We get good Christian teachers in our school that stand up for the faith. Right? He says, they will gather together around them a great number of teachers. 
to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Think about that. This is Paul's charge to you. He's going to say, he's telling you, listen, we got to be ready. Team. We're a team. We're part of the body of Christ. Working together for one for one purpose, to serve Him and to Him alone. We're all on the same team. We're all on the same team together. And Jesus is the head. You can't win by yourself. You win through teamwork. Girls know that. You can't go out there and play a bat. You can't be one against the whole team. You got to have your whole team working together in one accord to accomplish your goals, and that's to win. Not a one man band. <laughs> you got to keep your head in all situations. You know? It's a lot easier said than done. Keeping your head in all situations. Isn't it? I know for myself when situations come up. I get a little panicky. I get a little fretful. I get a little anxious. I get a little nervous. Kind of lose my head there for a a moment or two. God says, no, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. You know what the work of the evangelist is? It's simple. It's telling people about Jesus and how much Jesus loves them. That's all it is. Telling them about Jesus, how much Jesus loves them. And how, too, they can be loved by Jesus forever and eternity. And Paul goes on and says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me The crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul's talking about us. He's not just talking about Timothy. He's not just talking about... About the people in those days. Paul has begot, God has given Paul a vision of the future. And he's given us a warning. He was giving Paul a warning of what was to come. 
Paul was passing it on to Timothy. When Paul says here, for all those who have longed for his appearing, aren't we longing for God's appearing? Aren't we looking for it? Aren't we the ones who are seeing the signs of the end times and believing that God someday is going to appear on those clouds? That's us. Paul is talking about us. Paul predicted that the time would come when people preferred hearsay over the Word of God. And that's what people out there, the majority of people out there, are preferring. They're preferring hearsay over the Word of God. They're preferring it over truth. I don't know. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. All other sand is sinking sand. He is our rock of salvation. He is a fortress. All other ground is sinking sand. Don't be deceived. Don't be tempted to go down the wide road. Go through the wide gate because everybody else is doing it. It takes strength to stand up for what's right. Jesus is the gate that leads to life. In John 10, verses 7 through 11, Jesus says, Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Don't be deceived by the thief who comes. We see what he's done to our children, to many who decide to go down the wide road. He steals them, wants to kill them and destroy them. That's his whole goal. These false teachers spread false doctrines and lies. Accept everything else but the truth, which knows, which they know will set them free. The false teachers can't accept this book. They can't accept the truth. 
They keep on deceiving others with their teachings. They teach that we don't have to follow the Ten Commandments. We don't have to follow God's laws. They deny the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They teach that the day of the Lord has already come. And not only that, but their teachings leads to acts of immorality. Where does it all come from? It comes from evil spirits. It comes from a foe that's been around for a long time, deceiving many. It comes from teachers of evil spirits. And one simple question that you can ask them to find out, to know that they're false teachers is this. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, that He has come in the flesh from God, and that He is Lord? And if they deny that, then you know they're false teachers. And there are many false teachers out there. I wrote down here, leading our kids down a highway to hell. Some of you might know that ACDC song. They're on a highway to hell. And it's nothing to brag about or to boast about. It's sad. Because I guarantee you that you don't want your kids on that road. Think about what you're teaching them. And think about what they're learning. All of us adults here want our kids to have better lives than we've had. All of us adults here want our kids to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They want to know the way, the truth, and the life. All of us adults here want to see our kids saved. And in heaven with us. All of us adults here would give our lives for our children. All of us adults here want our kids to be taught the truth. None of us want to see any of our children going down the wrong path or being taught false doctrines. And if you do, there's something wrong. With your, with your thinking. <laughs> there are many false teachers out there, leading our kids down the highway to hell. Second Peter chapter two. This title, is, this title of this chapter is called False Teachers and Their Destructions. It's a warning to false teachers and to false prophets. It's like at the end of the Bible. If you ever read the Bible, near the end of the Bible, at the very end, there's a warning in there. 
that if anybody were to take or add from this book, that it would not be good for them. <laughs> Let's put it like that. It wouldn't be good. Peter says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive hearsays, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Does that sound like some of you guys' teachers out there today? Some people that are leading people astray with their false doctrines. All you, it's all over TV, too. All you got to do is flip through the television. It's terrible. It says many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrupt. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. The condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Think about that. Pretty scary. This is God saying, Oh, don't worry. I got something specially in store for them, and I haven't been sleeping on it. These people have been deceiving my children for days, for years, for months, for centuries. And oh, trust me, it's been going on for a long time. And I am storing up every evil deed and act they have ever done to deceive my children who I love. Who try to who pull them away from the truth. I haven't been sleeping on a job, God says. I see everything that's going on. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell. <laughs> that's what it said right there in the Word. Putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. If He did not spare the ancient world... When he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher. Hear that? A preacher of righteousness. What did Paul say to Timothy? Preach the word. In season and out season, be ready. Noah was a preacher. Said it right there. He was preacher of righteousness. And seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, 
For the righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and he heard. Think about that. Lot was tormented day in and day night. Day in and night. Because of the lawless deeds that he saw going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. It bothered him. Because he had a consciousness of righteousness in him that was from the Holy Spirit that said, no, that is not right living. That is not the way to live. And it bothered him. It affected him. See, people nowadays, their consciences have been seared and they have accepted it. And we cannot accept Lawlessness. We cannot compromise our faith. We have to stand on righteousness. We have to stand on the word of God. Because all other ground is sinking sand. We too are like Lot living in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's all around us. How does your soul feel? Are you tormented day in or day out? Or have you accepted it the way that it's going to be? And we just got to live with it. That's what's happened with the church. In many ways. And I'm not saying all of them. And I'm not saying that's everybody. But the majority are compromising. And there has been a majority of Christian leaders that have been compromised. And they're teaching false doctrines. And they're powerful men with great influence, leading thousands astray. For the righteous man living among the day, living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials. Praise the Lord. Think about that. God knew how to rescue Lot, a righteous man, from all of his trials. If he did it for Lot, he'll do it for you because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. His steadfast love will not change. His arm will rescue you. His his ears are attentive to your prayers. He sees your afflictions. He sees your persecutions. And he will save you, he says. Just like he saved Lot. That's why we need to hold on to the faith. That's why we need to hold on to the truth. And not compromise and not let it go. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature, and they despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid 
to slander celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring any slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. Think about that. Even angels that are stronger and more powerful are still afraid to bring any accusations in the presence of God. They know better. For one, like Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from the sky. And he took with him a third of the heavenly host. A third of the angels fell with him that day. Don't you think the other two-thirds are up there and said, Hey, buddy, <laughs> there's one thing I have learned. You don't bring any false accusations up in the presence of God. You don't become prideful or haughty. You don't want to get worshipped. And don't test the Lord. Because I saw all, I saw a third of my friends fall with them. Gone. And all God had to do was probably say, Michael, take care of them. <laughs> That's it. Michael, the warring angel. God probably didn't even lift a finger. But you know, when I see people coming against the Word of God and preaching their false doctrines, this right here, how bold and how arrogant they are when they do it. They're not afraid to stand up and deceive many. But as soon as you stand up for the truth, boy, they come against you like a pack of wolves. They attack you unrelentlessly. Until they get you to shut up. And we can't shut up anymore. We have to speak up. But we got to learn how to do it in love. And we need to pray for them. Jesus said pray for your enemies. We need to pray for them. Then we need to trust God. That God's going to do the work in them. Because I can't do any work in your mind or in your spirit or your soul. I'm not the physician that can fix your spirit. I'm not the physician that can save your soul. Only Jesus can. Only God can. And we just pray that God would draw to you. That would draw, He would draw you into Him. So that He can do the work. I've always said it, and I'll say it again. Chris can't save anybody, only Christ. <laughs> Amen? Amen? I can't save a soul, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't save your soul. Christ is the only one that can save your soul. These men are not afraid to slander celestial beings, Yet even angels, though they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blaspheming in matters they do not understand. 
That's just what's amazing. They don't even know what they're talking about. There's a scripture, I don't know it, but I'm just thinking there's a scripture that God will use the simple-minded to confuse the wise. Those who use the simple to confuse the wise. See, the wise have to have this intellect and all this stuff all around them to think that they're just great and they got everything all figured out. That they got a plan for their salvation and some of their plans are none. (laughs) And it makes no sense to me. And they don't even understand what the heck they're talking about. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct. Born only to be caught and destroyed. And like the beast, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for what harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse and brood daylight. There are blots They are blots and blemishes, revealing in their pleasure while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness, but he was rebuked. For his wrongdoing by a donkey. <laughs> he was rebuked by a, his wrongdoing by a donkey. God used an ass <laughs> to speak to an ass. <laughs> he used an ass, a donkey, to rebuke him. A beast without speech. Who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest, look at this. Think about this. This is what's reserved for them on that day of judgment. Blackest. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. I know what dark is when you can't see in front of your face, your hand. I don't know what blackest darkness is, but it sounds pretty scary to me. Pretty scary. I mean, I get up in the middle of the night and I can barely see and follow my way to the bathroom. And that's dark. But blackest darkness, that's a whole different black. That's a whole different darkness. The blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty boastful words, and by appearing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves to depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they escape the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were, than they were at the beginning. 
In other words, if they hear the word of God and they, and they, they, they turn toward the Lord, but yet then again, they turn back to the world, they are worse off. It's like what Jesus said. When you empty the house, when you clean your house, when you get rid of everything that's in you above the world and you accept Jesus Christ and, and Savior, you clean your inside out. You clean your house. And you keep it clean. And then you got to fill it with the Word of God. Because if you don't, it says that those demons that have left you will go out and get seven more demons and they'll come back and he'll try to attack you again and try to enter your house. The man that doesn't keep watch. you got to be on guard all times. You're, remember, you're a warrior. You're on, you're on guard. You're on duty 24-7. It would be better off for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs into the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Once we know the way, we can't turn back. That's why we can't turn back. We all know the way. We all know the way, the truth, and the light. And it's through Jesus, and we cannot turn back. Church. Kids. Family, friends, we can't turn back. We got to keep pressing in, pressing on, holding on with everything we got. We got to take up our stance. We cannot be deceived. And one of our jobs is to preach the word. One of our jobs, I asked God in my prayer time, I said, so God, what do we do? How do we combat all this? How do we How do we overcome all these things? How do we help our children? How do we save them? Preach the word. Is one thing he said. Then he said stand on what is right. In the face of hardship, be strong. Do what is right. Then he said, be a light to them. Then he said, love them. Those are the things he told me. Be an example. Be an example. Don't just say it, but live it. Let your actions speak louder than your words. I heard on the news the other day, this guy, they were debating back and forth. Liberal, Democrat, conservative, Republican. And all, the, all I heard was the, from the conservative Republican was saying, those are just words. Those are just cheap words. Those are just words. You guys say them over and over and over again. They're just words. You don't do anything. It's easy to say something. It's harder to do it. It's harder to live like a Christian. 
filled with the light of God, knowing the truth, then it is to just go up and say, well, I'm a Christian. You know, I guarantee you, if you go out and you ask anybody out there, I would say probably 70 to 90% would say, I'm a Christian. Hey, where do you stand? Well, I'm a Christian. And that's it. And that's to be the end of your conversation. Because it's easy to just say, oh, I'm a Christian and keep going on, walking on. Keep, keep moving on. And then that's it. Then you just think, oh, you just assume that everybody's saved and everybody's going to heaven and nobody's going to hell and everybody's great and happy and we're getting along and amen, let's go. <laughs> right? Hop back on that freeway and don't ask any questions. Just keep on trucking. It's not that easy. So we got to stand for what's right. In other words, we got to live it. We got to live the word. That's how we know we're Christians by their by their deeds. You'll know they're Christians by their love. By their words. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to close prayer and I'm going to read the blessing over us. I've been preaching long enough. Amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. I hear amen. 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 Let's all stand up for the blessing. Father, I thank you, Lord, and praise you for this day. Lord, I pray that, Lord God, that anything I said that's not of you, Lord God, would fall away. That wouldn't be of no value, Lord God. I don't want to have anything out there that's of no value to you, Lord Jesus. But I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, whatever I did say that was of value, that was the truth, which is your word, that it would speak to our hearts. And, Lord God, that you would help us to live this life that you called us to be, that we would stand for to be warriors in your kingdom, and that we wouldn't compromise, we wouldn't compromise our faith, we wouldn't compromise your word, the Bible, Lord God. And that we wouldn't be afraid to speak up for your kingdom. And that we wouldn't be afraid to stand up for you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that today, that Lord God, that your face would shine upon us. That Lord, you would be gracious to us. That Lord, you would turn your face toward us and that you would give us peace. On all sides. And I just pray your blessings over your people. Today Lord God. That you would bless them abundantly. And I just pray this in Jesus mighty name. And everybody said. Amen. Amen.